Hear me. Southeast, bring the heat. That's for you. Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Here I am in the place where I come let go. In Miami, the bass and the sunset low. Every day like a Mardi Gras. Everybody party all day. No words all played, okay? So we sip a little something, lay the rest of the spill. Me and Johnny at the bar, running up a high bill. Nothing less than them, but we dress to kill. Every time the ladies pass, they be like, how do you feel me? All ages and races, real sweet faces. Every different nation, Spanish, Asian, Indian, Jamaican. Black, white, Cuban, or Asian. I only care for two days of playing, but every time I come, I always ride up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. What up, City Carter? Oh, man. Good morning, everybody. Today is morning gratitude with the mayor. Today is, what is today? Today is Wednesday, November 15th. Coming to you live from San Diego. Don't let that music fool you. I'm not in Miami, but my guess is it is a an extreme pleasure. It is with extreme excitement that I introduce you to our next guest. Good morning, Tia. How are you? Um, now you're dancing. That's a good song to dance to. I love it. I love that song. Um, guys, I have a really special guest. I it's somebody, I actually have no idea how we became friends on Facebook, but I don't care because she has been a blessing in my life watching from afar. We've gotten to know each other. Um, she truly, truly inspires me. Uh, Lori uh, is, and I can't pronounce her last name, and I'm going to let her do that for me because I know I'm going to butcher it. Uh, good morning, John Wallace. How are you? Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Jess the Mess. Great to see you. Great. Had so much fun with you last night. But Lori is the creator of the number one Amazon, the number one rated Amazon product. Uh, it's called My Soulmate. It's a two-in-one um, puma stone with moisturizing soap. She's an animal lover and all-around amazing human being. I, I, I love this girl. She inspires me. I every, every one of her posts, she's about serving others. She's about taking care of other people. She just, she wears her heart on her sleeve like I do. We, I, I swear to you, in some strange way, our spirits connected through Facebook. And I know that may sound crazy, but we have this amazing connection. And it's just, it really, 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 really excites me to have her on the show. So ladies and gentlemen, please, please welcome my friend, Lori Bazarvi. Bazarvi, I'm going to let you correct me. She's going to kill me. I butchered her name. Ah, I butchered your name. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Oh my gosh! Years of this, I've been I've been dealing with this my whole life. It's, that was close. How do you say your name? How do you say it? Barsby, just the way it's spelled. Barsby. 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 Yes, B A R Z V I. Reading was not my. Reading vocabulary was not my um, strong. It's okay. I, it's okay. Like it, it's it, it's only that hooked on phonics. <laughs> I swear to you. I swear to you. I, I I'm embarrassed when I try to say people's last name, and it's just oh my gosh. Um, it ain't no I'm so sorry, but I do not let that diminish my love and respect for you. I don't ever expect anybody to ever get my name right. And when they do, I'm like, wow. 
That's so weird. <laughs> I, you know what? That's why I call everybody ma'am and sir, and um, it's just so much easier that way. Right. You're the ma'am and sir guy. Yeah, um, I'm the ma'am and sir guy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want anyone calling me ma'am. Uh, oh, I won't call you ma'am. I, I don't think anyway. Um, so first things first, we do this at the start of every show. Lori, this is the most important thing because the show is Morning Gratitude with the mayor. Um, would you please tell everybody what you are grateful for today? Oh, my goodness. I am grateful for Abraham Hicks. I saw your post this morning. Yes. Abraham Hicks is all about the law of attraction. And... Um, I really, I believe so much in the law of attraction. It's something I practice every day. And when I kind of get stuck in life and in my head, which I, you know, something I'm sure that we all do all of the time, we just get stuck with those voices in our heads. Um, I turn to Abraham Hicks and I, you know, I'll go to YouTube and I'll play a video and it kind of just sorts everything out for me. And, you know, and then I can get out of this, insanity that that's in my head and be productive and feel good about the day. So I'm just so grateful that I have that available to me um, just to, you know, get me back on track. Who, who else would you say is a pretty big influence for you? Cause you have, a, you, you, you are constantly, you stretch yourself to grow probably more than anyone I know. And that's one of the things I admire about you. Thank you. Um, that's wow. That's thank you for saying that more than anyone, you know, that's a big deal. I, and I don't even know why I do it um, or what prompted me to get into kind of like self-development, personal development. Well, I do know why, because I kind of I want to feel like I'm in control of my life. And, um, you know, when you're into personal and self-development, that gives you control to have your life manifest in the way that you want it to. Um, so who else do I listen to? My goodness, there's there's so many. It's not just about listening, but, you know, like Jim Rohn, who is actually Tony Robbins' teacher. Um, I'm a huge he's, – he's no longer with us, sadly, but he's got so many videos on YouTube. Um, and it's amazing. You know, they're, they're, they're old, but they're still as relevant today as they were when he made them. So I listen to a lot of Jim Rohn, um, Tony Robbins, and then I listen to the people of today, like Gary Vaynerchuk, who, you know, I love so much because he curses a lot like I do. And just because he's beautiful, um, Tom Bilyeu, who is, um, the founder of Quest Nutrition and Impact Theory. I mean, he does amazing work and a lot of amazing interviews. There's just there's just a ton. I, you know, I always try and find new sources of inspiration and um, new sources of places where I can learn more about self-development and personal development. So did you just wake up as a kid and go, hey, I'm into personal development, or was there a turning point in your life that made you say – you know what, I, 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 I really need to start building up my armor and start working on myself and empowering my mind and strengthening my spirit. Like, what, did, did something happen, or is this something that your parents pass on to you? What, what happened? No, I, you know, it was something just in the past few years, definitely not something as a kid. Um, something in the past, I'd say, like, five or six years where, you know, I, I felt just, I was just upset that things weren't, you know, working for me the way I wanted to, and I don't, remember exactly I almost remember but there was one person 
I think it had to do probably around relationships um, because that's that's the biggest source of what's the word? It's just always a problem for me. Um, well, and see, just saying that is is just is the problem. Um, and I know that, but I still have to remind myself. So somebody told me, of course, something about the secret. Um, and I started looking into the secret and then through the secret, and it really just resonated with me. And then through the secret, I found the real deal, which was Abraham Hicks. And once I started listening to Abraham Hicks, it just all was just like, holy moly, like this all makes so much sense. And I tested it out kind of in my own life where, you know, the manifestation, being able to manifest things, I, I put it to the test and, and I was, and I saw I was able to manifest things. And once I saw that, that's just what kind of just put me on this road of like, I can be whatever I want to be and I can do whatever I want to do. And you kind of get addicted to it because now you realize how much power you have where, you know, so many of us, the majority of us, I think are walking around feeling powerless over our lives and our situations and realize how we really, we really have all the power. Um, But, you know, sometimes you, it doesn't always just come from within that we realize that, you know, we have to listen to other people and, and, and learn from other people and then apply it to our own lives and see how we can make it work for us. But um, kind of to bring this back around, once I saw that I was able to just, you know, now of course, I, everything that I do, I, I realize, like, I take responsibility for every situation I'm in, for every mood I have, whether it's good or bad. I'm like, you know, I know I have the power to change this. And it doesn't mean that I always do and that I, you know, I, I still stumble and, and I'm like, come on, Laura, you got this. <laughs> you know you can do this and it's still hard. But, you know, at least I know that if I just keep talking to myself and I keep listening to this stuff and I keep learning – that I'll get to, you know, where I want to be as opposed to other people who are just like, well, what am I supposed to do? And just be a victim. And right. it just doesn't work that way. So what, what concern or problem do you feel most compelled to solve? Um, that's a big question on what plane are we ta- or just like in general? Um, I mean, look, so what is something that deep down in your core that just, rattles your soul when you think about it and you and it makes you fighting mad that you have to go out and try to make a change um it's this might sound more narcissistic but it's mostly myself um i'm always trying to figure out and solve myself and my problems um because i really do believe that we are the key to making the world a better place. So the better we are as people, the better the world becomes. So it's not necessary specifically about, you know, going out and starting a huge organization to save the planet or save the world or save the kids in Africa or even save the dogs, which, you know, is a cause that's personal and near and dear to my heart. I want to know about that right after you finish this. Absolutely. Yeah, but I believe that, you know, we are a collective consciousness. And I believe that as, you know, the more we work on ourselves, that it, it the more it creates a better environment in the world. Sure. So um, this, oh, go, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you, off. you go, you go ahead. 
No. So tell me about the foundation that you work with um, that you're very passionate about. It's with animals. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. So it's called the Sato Project. And um, I can't remember how I, how I heard or how I learned about them. Exactly. We had a few mutual friends, but now, you know, I probably say I'm, I'm the friend with the founder of the Sato Project. Her name is Christina Beckles. And it's kind of an crazy story where she's from Manchester and her and her husband, I think they were, I don't know if they were living in Manchester at the time or in New York, but they went to Puerto Rico on vacation on a holiday um, quite a few years ago. And they, 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 they stumbled upon this beach and there was just um, dogs everywhere, like feral dogs, stray dogs, dogs like in terrible, like dying and just the terrible situation. And um, she was so haunted by this that when they finished their vacation, she started going back to Puerto Rico all the time to go and save these dogs. She would go and like just get on her hands and knees and pull these dogs out from you know all the places that they were hiding because um, there's a big dog problem in, in Puerto Rico where they don't spay and neuter, and of course you know they multiply. And then people have dogs and then they decide they don't want to take care of them. And they go and they dump them at this beach called Dead Dog Beach. They just dump them there. And, you know, they starve and and just it's terrible. So she started going back and forth. And, you know, with each trip, she would get more and more dogs. And she would she got a group going and she shipped, you know, she gets them spayed, neutered. She takes them to the vet and, you know. She raises funds so she can bring them back to health for the ones that can be brought back to health. And then she puts them on a plane and, you know, sends them to New York, to her team in New York, and always finds families to adopt these wonderful, innocent creatures. And now she's actually, and then a few years ago, she actually got a home there. She decided to to move there. And so she, she was living, she lived between there and New York now. And um, sadly, you know, with the hurricane, her home was gone. Her home is lost. But she's just such an inspiration to me. You know, she she just won the Moroccan Oil um, Award. And, I mean, the other women that have won this award are, like, really, really famous women. Like, I think Kate Hudson is one of them. But those kind of women. And she just won it for the work that she does. So, um, I, I I'm... In the spirit of full transparency, because you know I'm I'm always transparent, maybe probably a little too much, <laughs> a little too much maybe, some might say, I don't know. But um, in the spirit of full transparency, I told her a bunch of times over the years, I'm going to come to Puerto Rico, I'm going to help you, and I never do. And I think, honestly, it will break me. I mean, I really think that you have to be like a special kind of person to be able to do something like that and um, not have a nervous breakdown. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I would just get so depressed. So the way that I'm choosing to help is by donating a portion of my proceeds from my sales to her foundation. Um, and, you know, always by talking about it and spreading awareness and, and raising awareness. So why, so uh, that's amazing. And I love that a lot. And, and again, I've shared this in the past with, um, you know, the viewers when, you know, if this charity resonates with you, please make a donation. Please seek them out to, to volunteer. There's some of you on here from Florida. 
Um, I know a lot of you have ties to Puerto Rico. And if there's, but even in that, if this is something that inspires you, please, like if you have anything to give at all, please donate to them. Um, so I got a quick question. Why in the world? Because you are, you're a New Yorker. You you live, breathe, and like not smell New York. <laughs> I don't know. That. <laughs> and now you're bringing the heat down in Miami. What's up with that? So I, as you know, and am an entrepreneur. I have my own business, and um, thank goodness it's been going amazing. But you know, you get to well, I gratefully got to a place in my business that I I reached my goal, and and I was like, okay, I mean, now what? I mean, listen, everybody's goals are different. My goal wasn't ten million dollars. You say, wow, so you know. But I, I, I reached. You live in South Beach, sister. <laughs> well, I, so I reached one of my, I reached one of my my goals, and then I said, you know, um, now if I really want to take my business to the next level, um, I'm going to need more money to do that. And again, I'm just being totally transparent here, as I always am. And um, I'm not. I'm not, my company isn't one of those companies where like I want to raise funds and have partners and go get investors. Like I just, I don't play well with others when it comes to stuff like that. I don't want to have anybody be able to have any kind of say in, in like in my business decisions, at least not at this point. So I knew that if I needed to have more money and put more money into my business, it would have to be only my own. And so I made a decision that, you know, it would, be more cost effective for me to move. I mean, I was living in Manhattan and it's very expensive there. Um, like really crazy expensive. And I moved down here for half the cost. The living is half the, half the cost. And, um, so that I could put less money into rent and more money into my business, basically. That's awesome. I've been really sick every day. What now? I've been really homesick every day, but it's getting better. And it's, you know, everything's temporary in life and it's all good. And it's good to be mobile too, you know? Um, so, okay. I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. Tell me about a time when all hope seemed lost and what did you do to help you get through it? Oh my heavens. Wow. Okay. So, you know the story, but your your listeners don't. But um, my brother was killed on 9-11 in the World Trade Center attacks. And, um, well, all hope was lost that, uh, after that, for sure, for many, many years. Um, it took me about 10 years to kind of, get back into society. Like, I don't know how to, how else to say it. Like I isolated for 10 years. So this is actually not my first time living in Miami, believe it or not. I, I lived in Miami in two, from 2008 to 2011. So my brother, my brother um, passed away in, in 2001. And then my dad passed away in 2005. So, um, and then it was just, me and my mom and my mom's still around. There's no other siblings. And, 
you know, over all those years, I just felt like um, I just lost my identity because I worshipped my brother. He was like the light of my life. He was my older brother. He was four years older. And um, I identified my whole being, even growing up as a kid. Like, we didn't have sibling rivalry. Like, I just loved him. And I was known as Guy's little sister, always. And he was, like, the cool the cool kid in school. But he was also really nice. So even, like, all the teachers loved him. And so I, pri- I prided myself on being Guy's sister. And when he died, I was just like, who am I? I don't know who I am. And I don't even want to be anybody if I'm not Guy's sister. And, um, and I couldn't, and even like my best friends, like, I didn't want to know anybody. I didn't want to like be connected to anybody. Um, because I just didn't feel like I was who I was anymore. And, um, so by moving, so I stopped talking basically to everybody. I kind of just wandered around for years and I don't know what I did. I just like, I was just going through the motions, waking up, I don't know, going to work or trying to do this or that, but not connecting with anybody, not seeing my friends at all, going home, watching TV for years and years. And um, then I moved to Florida well, I had a dance studio. So somewhere in all of this, I, I, I went to see a movie called Shall We Dance with Jennifer Lopez and Richard Gere. I went by myself to the movies, of course, because I was always alone. And I saw them dancing. And the next morning, I was like, I'm going to take a dance lesson. And oh, my goodness, it like it was the first time in years I had felt alive and good and like in the moment and not grieving. And I got addicted to dancing, to salsa dancing specifically. And so <laughs> I started dancing salsa every single day. And I started traveling for the first time. Like I wouldn't get on a plane for years after 9-11, but they have, these, they have these things all around the world called salsa congresses. And it's like a salsa immersion of salsa all day, all night, workshops, uh, performances, everything. And so I just got on a plane and I would start traveling around the world by myself and going to these salsa congresses, which in a way still kind of, it got me out there, but it still kept me isolated and anonymous. So it's kind of like, you know, um, and, but it healed me a lot. You know, the dancing definitely started the healing process for me. So I was like, I was like, Oh, you know, I love dancing. Um, I'm going to open a dance studio because I want to give this back to other people. Like I want my dance studio to be a place where people can go and um, have, you know, forget about their issues. Except I had no idea anything about opening dance studio. Like I thought I was going to open a dance studio and just dance all day. And how dumb is that? (laughs) Well, it didn't work like that. It ended up like I had to like, I had to like do accounting and marketing and I hated it. And so I went out of business really, really quickly. (laughs) <laughs> but through that is 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 and maybe this is a, a a later discussion but that's how i ended up coming up with my idea for my foot care product was through dance feet the dancers get you know it <laughs> yeah yeah so i was um always having to take extra special care of my feet um and I know it's really weird, but I'm five feet tall. It's easy for me to sit down in the shower. And I yeah, like sitting. You're taller than me right now, though. 
I do. Well, you know, it's my big. <laughs> it's my Napoleon complex. You're only five foot. You're the size of a troll. <laughs> Thanks. Like hair like this. Remember the pens? <laughs> and you would go like that, and they'd be like. <laughs> I, I love those things, man. They're yeah, really yeah. Cool. <laughs> I was. Do I appear taller on Facebook? I do, right? You're taller on Facebook. I'm going to freak out when I actually meet you. Oh, look at this. You got somebody that loves your soulmate. Of course they do. <laughs> is it called mysoulmate.com? Is that the website? No. So I'm, I'm, re- I'm actually, this is a great time because this is, um, um, I'm rebranding. Um, so my soulmate is one of my products and I've always had it. I've always only sold on Amazon. I have a bunch of them, but, um, I'm actually now for the first time creating my own website. Um, and it's, and I've never really kind of, I've always had my soulmate and then these like other ancillary products, but now I'm actually going to have like one overall brand called lovelory.com and it's love-lory.com. And the reason why I really did this is because, like I said, I you know my business has gotten to a certain level, and I'm like, but I want my business to be more than just about beauty products. And it is because for those who know my story, they know what kind of really led me to be an entrepreneur. And and this is really important. Um, there, you know, what led me to be an entrepreneur was the night before 9/11. My brother called me which was very unusual. I was 25. He was 29. And he called me, and we were on the phone for three hours. Super unusual. And we talked about everything. Like, we were just, like, catching up and talked about, like, our business, our our careers and our personal lives and our parents. and, And he was so magnanimous, my brother. He was like, you know, I said something like, Mom loves you more than she loves me. And he's like, no, Lori, she just loves us in different ways. And, like, that's what kind of a person he was, you know. Anyway, he worked for a company called Cantor Fitzgerald on the 103rd floor in the World Trade Center. And this was the one company they lost everyone. It was, like, 700 people and because um, they were above the where the planes hit. And he was 29 and very successful for such a young guy, because he was always um, really smart. He, you know, he was like, he was the kind of, not only was he like handsome and he was nice, like he was like the whole package. He was also really just smart without having to study. He always did well in school as opposed to me, like, oh my God, forget it. Like I have to read and study and study and study and I'd still get a C, it was horrible. But he was like, A, oh, I didn't even study, A, you know, like the perfect like golden child. Um, so he did well, like quickly, you know, he, he, he really excelled in his career quickly. And he was a manager at, at Cantor Fitzgerald. And he was like, he was working 16 hours a day between the commuting and everything. He was working so much. And it was also during a time where the economy wasn't doing well. And he was having to lay off a lot of people, which he felt had a lot of issues with because he was he was having to lay off people who were like in their 40s and 50s with families and he was like heartbroken over it and then he also just wasn't happy with what he was doing and he was making a great living and he was just like you know what I'm working 16 hours a day and I'm not happy and maybe and our father at the time was in the restaurant business 
And neither one of us were really ever interested in going into business with our father. But I think because neither one of us were interested in the restaurant business. But um, he said to me that night, like, maybe I should think about going into business with dad. Because, you know, if I'm going to work this hard, it might as well be for myself. Plus, you other dreams where our family, for some reason, he and I both are very drawn to um, Latin culture. And um, even though our parents are from Israel, but our father speaks Spanish or our, that side of the family. And so we both were just always very drawn to Latin culture. And my brother played flamenco guitar and he actually danced salsa, which was before I ever even discovered salsa. Um, and he want, he had dreams like of moving to Spain. And so like he knew like with what he was doing, he would just be, never have that kind of freedom to do what he wanted. And so he says this all to me the night before 9-11 how he doesn't like his work. He's not happy, even though he's doing well. He wants to do something more entrepreneurial, and I was so happy for him. And just like when he's realizing it, he's gone the next day. And so that is kind of, that's not kind of, like that's why, I mean, it's not like I you know, woke up a week later and was like, okay, now I got to figure it out. I want to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I went back to my corporate job you know, after 9-11 and all that. But, of course, that conversation, once I started to, like, kind of pull myself together, I very soon realized, like, if I'm going to die tomorrow, I don't want to go out like that. And I need to do this not just for me, but, like, for him. And that's kind of what led me um, – on to, to you know vent, become an entrepreneur and and now I can imagine ever working for anyone. So that's the story. I can't, uh, I can't imagine, Lori. I I haven't actually ever heard the story. I just knew pieces of it. Um, I mean, I knew you know I know from reading about you. I knew about kind of what inspired you to become an entrepreneur, but I didn't know the story. And that's high. I, I don't have words. That's actually that's that don't it's okay. Don't don't feel like you have to say anything. It's it's um that's actually though now so I decided when I decided so my whole business is basically a testament to my brother and it always has been because my LLC is is um for guy F O R G U I um but I've never really put it at the forefront. But, you know, whenever I talk about it, I, it's, I, everybody knows, like, that this is for my brother. And it's not that I'm not, that I'm not doing it for myself. I am, of course. But, you know, he's the inspiration always for everything that I do. And so I wanted my brand now to, again, I wanted that to be more like at the forefront of my brand. Um, and that's why I've decided to call my, my brand Love Lori because it's really to my brother, like four guy love Lori. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And it's really just all like about him. And you know, the lesson that, and I share the story as much as I can, not to make people feel sad, but to kind of, you know, wake people up. I really feel like I was meant to um, deliver this story as much as possible and on as, on as many platforms as possible so that people will, you know, get it and like start looking for something to do that they love and you don't have to quit your job and, and become an entrepreneur tomorrow. 
you know, but start thinking about it. What, what makes you happy? Um, Abraham Hicks always says, um, the purpose of your life is joy and the basis of your life is freedom. And, and I really believe in that. So Lori, you are somebody that I identify, um, and you haven't said this, you haven't shared with me. Um, but you're somebody that I just from observing, I can, I can feel that you're living your purpose. So when you're living your purpose and you take those steps every day towards your purpose, things unlock, new visions come into your life. Things that make you say, oh, I'm not done yet. <laughs> things that make keep you trucking, new challenges, new things to stretch you. What? So there's something that's been placed on your heart. I know. I'm just, I'm predicting this. I don't know. You've not told me, but I feel like there's something that's been placed in your heart, you have a vision for of where you're going next. Would you care to share what that is? Well, this is really funny that you're saying that. <laughs> because if this if this video would have happened yesterday, this would have been a disaster. Um, but it's God's timing, happen. not mine. <laughs> What's, that? What's that? I said God's timing, not mine. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because, so this is something I've been grappling with for the past few days because like, I like what I do, but to be honest, like I built, and this is what's so great about the time that we're living in and the internet. And I've built my, my company to a point where like, I don't work on my company eight hours a day. I work on it like eight hours a month. If that, I have a lot of free time and that's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. I'm honest with you. People are like, oh, when I retire, I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and like, no, and I'm not retired, but, you know, I've got free time, which gives me way too much time to think, um, way too much time with my own thoughts, and then feeling like, okay, so <laughs> – I want to talk about this charity, you know, this, this Sacho project, but I'm not actively involved in it. Um, I've got my business to a point where it's going really well and I do things to keep it going and add more products. But again, just like on a day to day, hour to hour, like how do I keep my mind occupied and how do I feel like I'm fulfilling some kind of purpose that we all feel like we need to have in order to be worthy of being alive? Right. And it, and this is why so many people like who are millionaires and or who are, you know, hugely successful, they kill themselves. You know, they, they ended up committing suicide because money is not the answer. Right. You know, you can make so much money and you just have no fulfillment. And it's funny because there's this ongoing joke that people say, well, I'd rather be miserable in a mansion than be miserable like you know, in a cardboard box. And it's really not even true. You know, if anything, it makes you more depressed. If the more money you have, because then you're like, well, now I have options and choices and I'm still depressed. Like I must be really screwed up. It <laughs> happens to a lot of celebrities, right? right. Um, so I've been, and I'm not, again, I'm not celebrity status. I'm not, you know, a millionaire, whatever. I just have my idea of what is success to me, which is probably not even a quarter of what other people want. I think people want to make $10 million. I don't need to make $10 million to have reached my goal. 
So now anyway, I find myself in this position and I've been grappling a lot with it the past week or two. Like I've got to find something to do. Like I need a, I need a purpose, a higher something to fulfill me and make me feel like I'm contributing to society. And I started putting on Facebook, like, okay, Miami, what are you guys doing to volunteer and get involved? And, you know, people like sent suggestions and nothing really was resonating with me. I'm going to something tonight just to kind of check it out and, you know, see how it feels. And this morning I just like asked the higher power that be like, please help me like figure this out because I want to feel like when I wake up in the morning, I want to feel excited that I'm like doing something really meaningful. And it kind of just came to me today where I, so I really love helping people when it comes to business, Um, you know, helping them figure out ironically what they want to be when they grow up Um, and, or, and, or connecting people to other people that can help them get to, you know, wherever they want to go. And I listened to a Ted talk this morning. And so, and that's what I always do. Like when I get stuck in life, um, and I need answers. I just keep listening to all this personal and self-development stuff all the time, all the time, because I know somebody's going to say something at some point, not maybe that day, but if I keep listening to it, something's going to, you know, click with me and, and give me the answer. And that's what happened this morning. I was listening to a TED talk and this woman talking about this, this um, group she formed called Dream Enforcers. And I was like, wow, that sounds perfect for me where I would love to put together a group, not a networking, not the kind of networking thing where it's like, hey, let's meet at this restaurant and all have drinks and talk. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but rather like have a round table of people who are kind of searching for, you know, some, they're kind of like I was yesterday. Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? You know, I think that always evolves with all of us. We evolve. Um, And so I think a lot of people get to a point in life where they go, is this it? You know, is there anything else? Um, And, you know, and especially in my age group, um, when you get like into your 40s, I think, you know, a lot of people need to reinvent themselves. Um, And people have don't know how to do that. And sometimes we need other people to pull that out of us and make us see ourselves. Sometimes, you know, we can't even see ourselves. So I'd like to put together a group of people who um, kind of want to connect with other people that, you know, maybe we can figure out who, you, who you're going to be in this next chapter of your life. Right. And, and how we connect, can connect you to people can help get you there. So, I'm gonna, so Rick has a question. I think, can you see it on the screen? Yeah, I want to know what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I feel I have the makeup of one, but not sure how I would go about starting. And so then he also says, I have epilepsy and don't want to spend my life living off of SS benefits. And I know that there's a lot of people out there listening that can relate to that. Do you have any advice for him? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I This is um, the most amazing time to be alive for entrepreneurs. Because, and especially with the, I mean, I don't know a lot about epilepsy, but I know that, you know, what it is. And so if you need, if you, if, if you can't just be out and about all the time, I'm not, I have no idea if that's right or wrong, but um, if you need to be in a certain place or whatever, you, it's 
I'm an entrepreneur and I work from home. I can work from anywhere I want to work and I can make as much or as little money as I'd like. You know, right. the days of our, where our parents, they ha- and they wanted to be entrepreneurs, you'd have to have a store, brick and mortar. You'd have to always be out there on your feet selling face-to-face and all that. And you don't have to do that anymore. It's, wow. it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, so, so what does it take to be an entrepreneur? First <laughs> of all, you have to be willing to accept that you're going to fail and it's cliche, but that's, that's it a lot. Yeah. I mean, my dance studio was a disaster. Um, I actually ended up having to take over my dad's restaurant after he passed away, kind of like he, he was like on his deathbed and was like, okay, well, cause he was in the middle of opening his second restaurant and he was dying and he was like, well, I need you to take over the restaurant. I'm like, I don't know how to run a restaurant. I was 28 and whatever. I did it. It was horrible. I had no idea what I was doing. And that was a failure for me. Um, and I had these kind of big failures and, but that's what it is to be an entrepreneur. Like it's rare that somebody, you know, is just a success out of the gate and you actually don't kind of want to be, cause that's the only way that you really learn are through like these big, huge colossal mistakes. So you have to be willing to accept that, Failure is going to be part of this process of being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. So I want to say hi to a piece of people real quick. Jeff, Penny, uh, Rick, Ruth, Lorna, Tia, Diana, how are you? Kelly, how are you? Juliana, hello. Mary, hello. Mary, hello. Tia, hello. Cindy, hello. Jessica, hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, yeah, what you're saying about being an entrepreneur is correct because – Honestly, if you can think of something, really, if you can think of something, if you can find a niche within this world, you can put it online and make millions, potentially. There's a school teacher that's a billionaire for taking her lessons and putting them online. There's there's people that have made goofy Donald Trump coins and marketed them on Facebook and made like $1.6 million their second month. You can do anything. If you find a niche, you can do it. Does it take work? Oh, my gosh. Now, anyone that tells you about being an online entrepreneur and thinks it's easy and they make it sound easy, punch them in the face because it's not true. It takes time. It's hard. It's challenging. You have to give a lot of stuff away for free. But now is the time where literally anything that you think of, you can create and make it a business online. You absolutely can all you need is a niche in something you believe in, and you can make it happen. And so, you need patience. You need patience. You need massive amounts of patience. <laughs> I mean, I say now, like, I have so much free time, but it took me 10 years to get to this point. You know, you've got to have a lot of patience. If anything that tells you you're going to be an overnight success, it took me seven years to be an overnight success and a lot of failures to be an overnight success. Um, so do I need money to make money? Um, I, you know, it really, see, now this is another great thing about, about the internet and today. So if you have a great idea and you don't have any money, there, there are websites like Kickstarter and was it Indiegogo or something like that, where you can raise funds that you don't even have to pay back where people just want to contribute to, like they believe in your product and, you know, they'll give you money. I mean, they're not just going to give you money, but, you know, you have to make a compelling 
kind of sales pitch as to why this product is amazing, why they need it, and why they should contribute money to help you develop it. So, you know, but, you know, all of this, like people say they want to be an entrepreneur, but, you know, you have to be really tenacious and you have to really want it because all of doing that, that's a lot of work. And you have to be willing to do that work and you have to be willing to not make money for a really long time um, to get to the prize that you want. But do me, do me a favor really quick, please. In doing that and, and struggling without money, like what is the thing? And I, I hope, I hope you say what I think you're going to say, but when you are struggling and you're not making money, but yet you believe in what you're doing, what is the thing that makes you keep going? Oh, it's just the belief in, it's just the belief in your idea. I mean, it happened to me. You know, I, I developed my product. I had them. Now, this is a little bit different, but it's still the same. Like, I developed my product. Um, and this was before the intro, this was before Amazon. So I failed with this very product that I'm very successful with right now. I failed with it. And really? Then, it's oh the number one product on Amazon. How is I that failed, possible? I failed massively with it. And I'm going to tell you how. It was before Amazon. I had no idea how to sell the product. Once I got it made, after working with China for a year, that ended up being the easy part. Now I had this tangible product, but how do I get people to know about it? Right. I'm not a salesperson, so I wasn't going to go door to door and sell it to salons. So I made some phone calls. I used to work in direct marketing, and um, my old boss gave me a phone number for an infomercial company. So... Long story short, I created an infomercial, and I, at the time, had money to invest into this infomercial, and it was a lot of money, um, and it was huge risk, and at the time, like, it was the pet egg, the Snuggie. Do you remember the Snuggie? It was like that. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Unfortunately. So this was the, the time of the infomercial boom. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be on an infomercial. I'm going to make a million dollars because this infomercial company was like, you know, we put money into this, too. We only we only accept specific products that we think are going to do really well. And so I was all, like, pumped up. Like, I was like, wow, they chose my product, and I'm going to be a millionaire. And within the first, like, first couple of times it aired on TV – I saw right away, oh, this is a disaster. Like, this is not working. And I just lost so much money. Because you didn't, I never, I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't really think about, like, how much it cost to be on TV, the airtime, and how many pieces I would actually have to sell to cover the airtime, and all this business stuff that I really didn't understand or even think about. And I cried a lot, a lot, a lot. (laughs) They were like, sorry, this isn't working. And now here I was. I had this product and I had spent all this money on an infomercial and I was done. And so then I had this, then the product was on Good Morning America. And it got this amazing rating um, where they said, like, we would give this product an A, but we only save that for things that end world hunger and, like, get Brangelina back together at the time. One of the, <laughs> and it was on, 
with other infomercials. I was a Jimmy Brad guy, actually, but whatever. And it was on with other infomercial products that they rated like a B or C. Mine was the only one that got an A. So overnight, holy cow, like I did like, I don't know, ten or $15,000 in sales overnight from like this seven-second review. And I called my mom. I was living in Miami. I called my mom and I was like, mom, we're going to be millionaires. And she says, Lori, you're going to be on Oprah. And I mean, you know, just, we were just having a moment. Oh God. <laughs> Oprah's and, amazing. Uh, and I was like, this is it. I made it. And then you know what happened? Three days later, all my sales stopped. Because, <sighs> you know, it was just like that PR thing. So now oh. I'm like, oh my God, now what? So now this company called Time Life, who you may or may not have heard yeah. of. Time Life books with all the aliens and mystery ancient pyramids. Yeah, and all the CDs <laughs> with all the music and everything. Yeah. So they tracked me down. Like they saw the they saw the Good Morning America um, review. Wow. And they said, you know, we want to get back into the direct TV space with tangible products like yours. Like right now we only do music, but we want to do other stuff. And we think yours is a great product. So we're going to license it from you. We're going to put $150,000 into developing a new infomercial, putting it all over TV. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to do this. So I called my mother again, mom, oh my God, we're going to be millionaires. It's going to be amazing. This is like a dream come true. And we went through the whole process again for months and months. And after two weeks of airing the commercial, they called me and they were like, Sorry, it's not doing the numbers we needed to do, and here you go. Here's your product back. Oh, God. Like, this went on for years. Years. This, this, okay, I'm reliving this story with you because I've had experience with QVC and HSN having this happen to me. Oh, God, my heart hurts for you. Oh. Okay. I, had, I had a purchase order with QVC at one point, which – fell through in the last moment because apparently my rep gave them like the wrong something or other. And so oh. that went out the window and it was a disaster for years. And finally I shelved it. I was like, forget it. I'm done. Like, I don't know how to bring this to market again. I could go door to door, but I know myself well enough. See my whole thing, Josh, is I feel very strongly about only like, you're not going to like doing everything. Of course, there's always going to be parts of your dream or whatever it is that, that don't bring you so much joy, but that's, that's life. But right. if the majority of what you're doing doesn't bring you joy, then you got to find another dream. Right. So I didn't like, I could have gone and, and, you know, pound the pavement and have been a salesperson, but I knew that that work wasn't going to bring me joy. And so, and I'm very passionate about not doing things that don't bring you joy. Like my brother, you know, like just because it's going to make me money, maybe I'm not going to do it just for the money. And so that's why I didn't go and try and be a salesperson because it wasn't about all the money I could make. It was about enjoying the process. And I didn't, wasn't going to enjoy that process. So I shelved it. I said, forget it. I'm, I'm done with this product. And I went back to work and I got a job in corporate America after however many years of trying to be an entrepreneur. And one day uh, in 2014, um, I was on Facebook, of course, and um, 
I saw somebody post something about Amazon, making money on Amazon. And I wasn't even an Amazon shopper yet. And I was like, what's this all about, this Amazon stuff? I didn't realize that people who are, that when you buy stuff on Amazon, I thought you were just buying it from Amazon. I didn't realize there were third-party sellers on Amazon. And I saw that and I started looking into it. And I was like, oh, man, I can, like, go to TJ Maxx and Marshalls and buy stuff on clearance and resell it on Amazon. That's how I started selling on Amazon. It had nothing to do with my product. What? Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like you, you have to know like how to search for the products. Like there's a learning curve or whatever, but I had no idea that, you know, I mean, you could sell stuff on Amazon. So I started doing that. I started right. like going to stores and buying stuff on clearance and selling it on Amazon for full price. That's hustling. Oh yeah. And, and I, lived, <laughs> That's hustling. I lived in the city and so I was like schlepping all these bags and back and forth and then packing it all and shipping it. And I was like, at first I was like, Oh, this is going to be so great. I get to shop all day. Girls dream come true. And like five minutes later, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> do it like they do it they make great livings god bless them you know they're always schlepping around back and forth it wasn't for me but through that but this is how how crazy life is and how life works is like i realized through doing this i was like wait a second i happen to have a product i invented years ago i think i can sell my product on amazon because then i started to realize how the platform worked and yeah. Because I had up until that point, so years before when I was launching my product and all that, I had gotten all these Facebook friends following me. Um, and so I still had all these Facebook friends. And um, because of Facebook, I was like, so guys, so wait, so I was, so I had told my warehouse to destroy my inventory um, because I thought I was done with it. And when I, re- and like a year before, and when I realized, like, I think I can sell my product on this platform, I was like, well, let me just call the warehouse. You know, who knows? I'm sure they don't have it, but I'm just going to make the phone call anyway. And they had it. Like, they never got rid of it. It's crazy. So I bought it back from them. And because I had had this whole following on Facebook, um, Within three weeks of me putting it on Amazon, it became a top 10 bestseller. So it took me like six years of failures and everything with the same product that within three weeks of putting it on Amazon, because I had all these followers and all these people rooting for me and, you know, wanting to finally like try this product, which they actually liked, um, because I never doubted that the product was good. Like even though it was on TV and it bombed, that has to do that has to do with numbers and metrics and stuff like that. It had nothing to do with my actual product, and I always knew that. Like I always knew in my heart of hearts that I had something good, and it wasn't because I was emotional about the product. It wasn't because it was like my baby. I, I don't get emotionally attached to stuff like that. Even if I even if it's a product I developed, like at the end of the day, it's like. If it doesn't sell, get rid of it. Like, if this business doesn't work, move on. If you get emotionally attached to stuff like that, you're not going to be successful. But I knew that this was a good product because, hell, I made it out of my own need for it, you know? And if I need it, I'm sure, like, other people need it. I need it now. I got some nasty feet. Oh, you need it. I'll send you some. 
So yeah. anyway, so that I mean, that's really the story, and the rest is history. You know, like I figured out. I think you know the key to it is like. <sighs> if something doesn't work one way, it doesn't mean it won't work. Like you have to find different, you have to try different paths and different avenues and different ways to make a good idea work. But you also have to know when an idea is a good idea and when it's a bad idea. Okay. So this is the last question for you. And I'm so blessed to have your time today. It's amazing. You gave me an hour. Um, I want to know what the funniest thing that has happened to you recently. I've already asked that question. No, I'm plugging in my I'm plugging in my um computer. The funniest thing that's happened to me recently, um I wish you asked me this beforehand. Okay, how about this? What does your perfect day look like? Oh okay. So it's it has to do with um walking my dogs a lot. I had a pretty perfect day the other day. I woke up, I took my dogs for a walk. I love to see my dogs happy. I just love them so much. And Gizmo, my little, you know, he's like a Shih Tzu something mix. He loves the water. Like, he loves to swim. And, you know, being in New York, he can't swim. And since we've gotten to Florida, he's, like, trying to jump into the bay all of the time. And so finally the other day, yeah, finally the other day I was like, screw it. I took off my sneakers and my socks. And I just like put my legs in and I put him in and he swam and he was so happy. And like, that just made it a great day for me. Just like these little things in life, you know, these, these small moments that, that happen in a day that are just like, I think like that's the guts of life. Those, those small moments can make it just like a perfect day. That's so beautiful. Okay. So what is the, this is the last, this is not even a question, but tell us, like, give the audience your best piece of advice or the best advice that's ever been given to you. You can be, do, or have anything that you want. I love it. I love it. Lori, you are amazing. Thank you. You're amazing, too, my friend. Don't forget about me when you're the mayor. You know what? I want to be the mayor of the world so bad. I wish that was the thing. But so what I'm going to do is I'm going to become... I'm going to help make San Diego the model city for the world. And then we're going to travel all over the world and sell the blueprint of what we were doing in San Diego to transform one community at a time. That's the goal. So ideally, my, my God vision, on outside of being the white and skinnier T.D. Jakes, <laughs> is I want to be the mayor of the world but have the official title be mayor of San Diego. So I want the brand to be the world's mayor. That's my, that's I my, love that. now I, it makes so much more sense. Well, I, and I, I know it. I'm so like, it's, it's just, I, this is an amazing city, but I've been so blessed to live in South Florida and I've lived, you know, in front of Oklahoma, that's where my roots are. And I feel like I've picked up these things along the way that have really, really inspired me. And my natural gift is really what a mayor does. So I, I want to be I want to be the white skinny TD Jakes, but I have the mayor title. But I want to do all the other stuff too. Like it matters to me. Like I, it's this like and, and also having people like you, being able to connect with people like you. That 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 is what it's all about for me. Because the more people like you that I connect to, and we are able to collaborate and work together, that's 
that gives us a greater chance of changing the world for the better. And that's what this is all about for me. I, I've lived, I lived the life that I chose for a long time and that left me very miserable. And so now I feel like I'm doing what the spirit calls me to do. And I'm trying to live a life that's not my own and just and serve. And you know, the financial stuff, my idea of success, look, I love nice things. I love the Ritz Carlton. I love nice cars. But I, that's not happiness to me, and that's sure as heck not joy. Joy is doing this, and joy is having people like you in my life. And I'm very, very grateful that you came on the show, Lori. Thank you. Can, can, thank you so much. You're such a beautiful person, and I'm so grateful that you – and I can't wait to get into this stuff. That's, that's another topic. But before we go, this is how bad of a salesperson I am, is that we've talked for an hour, and I haven't even showed you my product. <laughs> Oh, you see what I mean? So for your I listeners mean, and your watchers, I just want to let you guys know I'm going to um, give you guys a coupon code for a oh. discount on my products so that you all can buy them for like stocking stuffers or, you know, whatever stuff or whatever holiday or just for your own feet. But this is my product. It's called my soulmate. So it's a soap. This is a soap on one side. Can you smell it? Just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. I tried. I can't smell it. It's my own feet. Oh, it's so good. It smells delicious. It's lemongrass soap. And Ooh, this, side, this side is the pumice stone. So I basically took two pieces and I married them. So you have two products in one. And this is just amazing pumice stone because it just, it works really, really, really well. Way better than like the volcanic pumice stone used in the store. So this is the product, my soulmate. I also have one called foot finish, which is more of a masculine version. And I am going to, like I said, create a coupon code just for your listeners um, and, and watchers so they can try it out. So do me a favor. After you do that, just put it in the comments. Yeah. For sure. And I'll make sure that people see it because I need to buy one because I'm telling you, I've got horrible feet. It's embarrassing. Yeah, we need to remedy that. I'm like, yeah. somehow I became like the foot queen, which is kind of gross and by accident, but we're going to fix your feet. Thank you. <laughs> You're amazing. God bless you, Lori. I appreciate you so you much. Too. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Have a good week. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Wow. She's amazing. I love it. I hope you guys connected with her story. I hope you were able to take bits and pieces out that you can apply to your life, um, maybe to your business, your personal life. But what a story. What a story of struggle and not giving up on your dream. I mean, it's, it, I, like I said, it inspires me. I, I'm, I fail every day. <laughs> I fall, I'm failing nonstop. But it's like the pursuit, the journey, it's what it's all about. She's living proof of it. She didn't quit. And now she's living the life of her dreams and, and it's not done yet. So if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. But, guys, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful for you guys. And I really, really appreciate everything um, that you do and that you're watching and tuning in and sharing this video. And, again, if you think that this message, her message – would resonate with somebody, tag them. Tag them, uh, put their name in the comments, share the video. Um, again, this is about you know trying to pay 
awesomeness for. This is about showing people that are trying to change the world and, and doing the following their dreams. So God bless you guys. I love you. Tell someone you love them today. Tell someone that you're grateful for them. And if you have the opportunity to help someone go make it happen, God bless you guys. Take care. I'm on my way to LA. I'm doing radio tonight. I'm getting to do real radio. I'm so excited. Um, it's going to stream from my Facebook page. It's going to be from 4 to 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time today. Um, I'm going to be a guest on Tracy Lynn Cohen's show, talking a little Hollywood stuff. We're going to talk some um, multiple sclerosis and cannabis, and we're going to and some other surprises as well. Um, I love you guys. God bless. Have the best day ever, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye.